0: The Providence Journal presents Pick and Pop, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch.
1: Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast, our weekly look at the college basketball scene in Rhode Island. Uh, Busy scene, busy night last night, uh, Wednesday night. In Rhode Island with two uh, highbrow games, uh, one at the Dunkin' Donuts Center and one at the Ryan Center. We're going to break down both and uh, peer ahead into the conference tournament season, uh, conference tournament week, I should say, next week. Uh, but hello, everyone. This is Kevin McNamara, and we have uh, Bill Koch along once again. Bill, how are you? Kevin, wonderful. How are you? We also have a very special guest on the Pick and Pop podcast. He, he, hes He's been, he usually swoops in... A few times a year, uh, but this is a very special occasion. We have uh, longtime journal columnist Bill Reynolds here uh, for the Pick and Pop podcast. And we, Billy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, I'm thrilled to be on the Pick and Pop show.
0: <laughs> I mean, you should be yeah, absolutely.
1: And not everyone
2: gets to do this. You realize I mean, I've had a lot of I've done a lot of things in my career, but I mean the Pick and Pop show is
1: right <laughs> up there. Excuse me, it's not a show; it's a podcast. I, I know that I know that you have a a significant. A podcast library on your iPhone. <laughs> A pick and
2: pop podcast. Oh, really? thank you, thank you. I could be like losing my virginity, like like coming on this. It's the, 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 the first podcast I ever did.
0: Podcast virginity, yes, uh, Billy. This is a family show. I want you to watch yourself here. Yeah, we, we don't want to get into
1: uh, Bill's uh, conquests or anything like that. Well, but uh, we we we
0: are yes. going to talk about Brown University later. But we'll save those chronicles. Yeah, we'll from, we'll, uh, we'll
1: dismiss Bill by that point. But, yes, uh, yes.
0: So um, because we have such a special
1: guest here, we, we're going to uh, put Bill on the spot right off the top. Mm. And then dismiss him because uh, he, he, he he doesn't he can give us some of his time, but certainly not the full podcast run, which uh, we appreciate. Correct, Bill? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to start with the Friars. Um, yet another uh, big Big East win last night, eighty to seventy four at the Dunkin' Donuts Center over Xavier. Uh, for my money, it was the best home game of the year last night. Um, Seton Hall was, was a close second, but. Uh, Xavier give them an awful lot of credit for taking a serious punch in the first half, hanging in. Uh, Big-time game from Najee Marshall, who I think will be a first-team All-Big East uh, player. He had 25 points, but uh, the Friars, yet again, got a really strong game from the Pipkins. He had 23 points, 15 in the first half. Uh, Hit two really clutch shots in the last minute and a half, a three-pointer and then a little floater in the lane. Uh, Alpha Diallo was really outstanding, 40 minutes, 25 points, uh, got an awful lot done around the rim along the baseline where he's as good as anyone in the Big East. And David Duke also came in with double figures, 16 points. He had been struggling with his uh, shot uh, recently, so to see all three of those guys play together, that's what they needed in order to overcome a Xavier team that... uh, uh, no one wants to see next week at the Big East Tournament or, or in the NCA Tournament. Bill, I, I know you obviously saw some of the Friars because you were getting ready for URI, but uh, before we ask your opinion on the, on the Friars and uh, whatnot, uh, we do want to get Mr. Reynolds here. So, Bill, you've watched the Friars all season long. You haven't been on the podcast, and I know this is uh, your big moment of, moment of truth. Uh, just a breakdown of kind of the course of the Friars season and, and how good— are they playing right now? I think
2: the big key is Pipkins. I mean, Pipkins was the transfer from UMass, and he came over here. And for the beginning of the season, I just thought it was basically a waste of time. I thought he was over his head. Uh, he just, you know, he didn't. He just was just another guy out there. And lately, and especially uh, the other night, he he has come into his own, and he plays with confidence. And when he makes shots, they're a different team. And so right now, they're a different team than they were a month ago.
0: Yeah, no question. I, I think uh, you know he's he's sort of been the fire starter that they needed. He's been the guy who played against them twice at UMass and really hurt them in both games. Um, you know, the other thing that I see out of Providence right now is just you know the confidence, the desperation with which they've played um, to be able to win seven out of nine in the Big East really takes. Great focus, great intensity, and I, I think they've really shown that here over the last month plus.
2: No, I totally agree. And um, they play with the confidence now that they, they certainly didn't have a month and a half ago. Yes. And I think, again, I, I think Pipkin is a big part of that, um, but it's more than that. It's like kind of a collective attitude, and they kind of believe now. And I had the sense all year that they, that they really didn't believe in, in, in themselves, that they weren't really particularly special,
1: and, and they knew it. And um, I think that's changed. Did, did you see them, you know, maybe at the start of the Big East season? So we, we saw them stub their toe a lot in December and November. Did you see them as underachieving or did you see them as just they just weren't going to be good enough?
2: I thought they weren't good enough. I thought they were too young and not good enough. Um The first thing that really made a big impact on me, I don't know, a month ago, whatever it was, two or three weeks ago, David Duke started to make jump shots. And at the beginning of the year, that never happened. And I'm not trying to put everything on David Duke, obviously, but that was kind of a signal to me, a barometer, if you will, that this team was getting better. And uh, they're a different team now than they were six weeks
0: ago. Yeah, no question. You you look at Duke and you know, I think he's probably you know, when it's all said and done in the long term, he's probably the best pro prospect. Um, and so when he plays this way, uh, you know, being able to make shots, be efficient, he was five for ten last night. He also had four steals at the defensive end. Um, he's probably the most capable on the perimeter of being that two-way difference maker. And you know, like you said, when when he's making shots uh, the way he did last night, you know, three for six from three-point range as well. Um, you know, it, it's just a it brings a different dimension to that team, a, a different sort of dynamism to to that team in that lineup. Uh, Billy, will put you on the spot. Um, we're going to say they're in the NCAA tournament, barring a
1: home loss to DePaul, a quick loss in the Big East tournament. I, I think they could probably still squeeze their way in, but it, w- it won't be by much uh, with two losses here down the stretch. But So we'll say they get in. Are they a dangerous team in the big tournament?
2: Yeah, I mean, it depends what you mean by dangerous. I mean, I think it's a team that really nobody's going to want to play. Um because they are better. I mean, they're better now and they're getting better and they play with a certain confidence that was not there six weeks ago. And they've got, I mean, Duke is a big time athlete and Duke, we are watching him come into his own, whether he knows it or not. He's gotten a lot better. And if, if I'm someone else sitting out there, I don't want to play Providence College
1: right now. I think defensively, they've been very good, really, uh, for the whole Big East season, but they've really locked in. Actually, Xavier last night uh, played the best that any team has played against them in quite a while. They they shot 50% from the field. No one's done that against Providence in in weeks. You know, uh, just a couple days ago, uh, Villanova... You know, scratched and clawed to get to 54. So defensively, they've been really good. Um, uh, Reynolds' clock is ticking. So we're going to switch quickly to the Rhodey Rams, uh, and then we'll come back to the Friars. Um, Rhodey faced a really difficult test last night, a, a quote, must win. It's awful tough when it's a must win against the third-ranked team of the country, the Dayton Flyers. And Dayton uh, lived up to its reputation 16 point halftime lead on the way to an 84 57 win over the Rams. Um, We'll be back again with uh, Bill Koch's breakdown of this game. But uh, Bill Reynolds, um, Rhodey got, you know, had a 10 game winning streak. 10 game winning streak. 10 game winning streak where they built an awful lot of confidence. And people can say they didn't play too many good teams in that 10 game winning streak, but winning begets confidence. Now they look like a team that, that doesn't have any confidence. They, they've lost three or four um, and you know only have one uh, league game left at UMass and then go to Brooklyn, probably needing to win the A-10 tournament to get to the NCAA tournament. Uh, it just seems like a tall task right now.
2: Yeah, no, I agree with that, Kevin. And um, I also agree with your premise that they're a team that found themselves in the, in the middle of the season, and they— Found confidence. They found an identity. They started to believe it and play like it. And um, but as we as we all know, that's a fragile thing, and that comes and goes, especially with a relatively inexperienced team. I mean, it's uh, the real outstanding veteran teams are the ones who are able to withstand a little slump or three or four bad games in a row or mediocre games in a row, and that's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, I I look at Rody and I, I just you know i look at them losing four out of the last six and you know the first time they they played Dayton they went out there they're 10 and 1 in the league 18 and 5 overall they've won 10 games in a row they were safely in the ncaa field at that point uh you know and it, you look at them now and and they're on the outside looking in and they need to win in brooklyn and you know kevin and i will go more in depth on the big picture in that uh soon but you know just looking at their defense and the way that they've played you know the last six games um They've given up a point per possession, uh, four times in each of their last five. Um, actually, five times in their last six. They won in oh, four in those hold, games. Hold on, points per possession. Billy, did did right, they teach did they
1: teach that at Brown in nineteen uh, whatever when you were there? I think I skipped that course.
0: Yeah, well, you skip more than that, as we know. Uh, you know, we, we've seen, we've heard about your grades at uh, Brown University. No, I wouldn't go that uh, well, kind of Maybe way. a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I mean, you're pretty close to truth. But I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, they've given up more than a point per possession in five out of the last six games. Uh, they're one and four in those. Previously this season, they'd been much better in, in terms of defensive efficiency. Um, you know, so I, I just think I see them wearing down at that end of the floor. They've never been, you know, a particularly. good elite offensive team they struggled to shoot the ball you knew that they were going to struggle to score points um you know they only really have two or three guys who, who are capable of giving you 20 25 points in a given game so you know they were always going to make hay at the defensive end they're wearing down there and i think the results correspond with with their struggles at that end all right billy you're out of here you, you you've you've been
1: dismissed i've been cut well re- re- released how about that yeah, No, we, we, we would never we would never cut you but contracts over yes contract. yes uh, nba 10 day uh, done, uh, 10 days done. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes done um. Well, I, I know that uh, our avid listeners always want to hear what Bill Reynolds has to say. So, uh, no question, we're, as they we're, we're very happy that uh, we could get Bill to come in and offer some insight. Uh, we, we'll, let's stick with the Rams a little bit, and maybe we'll wrap up with the, with the Friars. Uh, on good, the, good, the go on because we um, should go
0: back to the Friars. Yeah, so, cool.
1: so you know, Bill, I, I didn't see the first half. Uh, I was finishing uh, my writing and whatnot from the Friar game. Uh, Watch some pieces of the second half where or I just didn't see you know a competitive situation right uh, again i I don't think that's a slam on Rhode Island. I think Dayton, first of all, I think Dayton should be seated ahead of San Diego State, okay uh, They have two losses, uh, both in overtime, one to the number one seed in the whole tournament, Kansas, uh, where San Diego State's loss is to a UNLV team that won't play anywhere right um, and Dayton played a significantly stronger schedule so but you know San Diego State had better keep winning or else I think Dayton's going to be a one seed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they very easily could. Uh, you know, if they win out and they go all the way through the A ten tournament, uh, you could look at a scenario where you know San Diego State does not win the Mountain West tournament. Perhaps, um, you know, Dayton could certainly make as good an argument as anyone. Uh, you know, like you said, their two losses on a neutral court. They had Kansas in all sorts of trouble in Maui at the Maui Invitational, uh, and there are other losses to Colorado, who is certainly no slouch and, and will be firmly in the NCA field. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I I think Dayton. You know, just watching them twice in person now. Uh, If you're a team like Rhode Island and you catch an A game from Dayton, there's really nothing that you can do about it. They have elite Pieces. Uh, when you look at Obi Toppin, who's a National Player of the Year candidate, Jalen Crutcher could play for anyone. E.B. Watson transferred from Michigan. He was recruited there for a reason. Trey Landers is a perfect, experienced glue guy for any team. 14 and 14 last His night. Second double double against Rody in as many games this year. Hmm. Um, and you just look at the way that their pieces fit together. At both ends of the floor, they're an elite offense, number two in the country, but their defense is top fifty defense as well. Anthony Grant has done a terrific job assembling this roster and getting them to play together as well as they do. Uh, Flesh out Toppin a little bit. Uh, I see he only played twenty three minutes.
1: Breeze to twenty points uh, in those in those twenty three minutes. Only had two
0: rebounds. Uh, did he make a huge impact at least in the first half? He he was sort of, you know, ghosting in and out of the game. The, the the one thing about Toppen and I know we discussed this the first time Rody played them, you were texting me in the first half saying, "Why doesn't Dayton get the get ball to the Toppen?" Ball. Yeah. You know, why doesn't he get more touches? And I think he ended that game with 22 and 10. You look at the box at the end and you're like, "Oh, you know, Look at this. He, he's still at his production. Mm. He has a way of getting to his numbers in the box score without stepping on his teammates' toes and sort of dominating the ball. He has he a wonderful quality for a superstar that not all superstars have, which is he can fit into a team. He doesn't need the ball. He doesn't. Yeah. He, he can let other guys do things, take shots, mm-hmm. handle the ball. And then when it comes to his time to have the ball or to get out on the, on the break, uh, you know, or do something spectacular on the glass, he can do that. I did hear he had one of his patented windmills. He had a windmill on the breakaway in the second half, his 100th dunk of the season. <laughs> uh, that, that's ridiculous, w- which leads the country. Yeah, um, you know, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, uh, you know, so you're you're looking at a guy who's just a high high level talent. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and a team that is built perfectly around him. <clears throat>
1: Um no question uh, very impressive team and uh but but um Rhodey overall you know uh, we, you know we've talked about their struggles a little bit and I think you hit it right on the head uh, defensively they just haven't been the same locked in team uh the question is can they regain that focus you know not only for a do or die week in Brooklyn uh but you know at, at minimum they I think they're an NIT team uh you'd like to see them have some success here in March,
0: but I think it's going to have to start with a renewed, uh, you know, dedication to defense. You know, Billy made the point while he was in with us, and I think it's a good one. You know, confidence is a funny thing. When you have it, everything is right with the world, and you can do no wrong. Uh, but when you lose it, it's very hard to regain. And and this is a team that looks. diminished in that way at both ends of the floor right now uh you know a team that doesn't necessarily have the answers whether it be you know on offense uh or at the defensive end you know they're not getting stops you look at the game on sunday against st louis you give up 56 points in the paint on your home court st louis takes four three-pointers Right. You know exactly what they're going to do. They're going to be big, strong, physical up front. Try to jam the ball to the rim, and Rhodey just got emasculated in that. Well, game. Well, that's just not what they're equipped to do.
1: You know. Uh, th- that said, you know you you got to go out and outscore a team like uh, St. Louis. You know, offensively they they weren't good, but uh, you know matchups are a funny thing in basketball, and I think St. Louis is just a difficult matchup for Rhode Island just because of their girth. Uh, Dayton is just on a total different level. Uh, I think mentally, Rhode Island needs to get healthy really quickly because uh, they're going to face a really tough test at UMass on Saturday. Uh, These teams, I don't think they like each other.
0: No, not at all. They had an incident after their game uh, in Kingston on February 4th. That was a URI win, 73-67. You know, just looking at, at Rhodey, uh, from a tournament perspective, now they're obviously on the outside looking in. They're going to need to win the A10 tournament in Brooklyn. I think the shame of this, Kevin, really is they've played the NCAA tournament since 1939. Rhode Island's been in 10 of them. Okay. Not really a big number. Yeah. They had a chance, you know, if you go back a month, they had a really good chance to be in a third in four years. It's an opportunity that doesn't necessarily come around here no, all good, that often. Good point. And so. When you're Rhode Island and you're 18-5 and and 10-1, and the discussions you're having at that point are, look at the momentum that we're going to build. Three tournaments in four years. We're going to extend David Cox's contract. We're going to have more cash coming in, more ticket sales next year, more donors excited. Maybe we get a couple more charters. Maybe we finally get the practice facility off the ground. All of that's going to help recruiting. We're going to bring in better players. We have three open scholarships. We're going to keep this going year over year, success into success. Now you look at this team graduating Jeff Doughton, graduating Cyril Langevin. Fats Russell is the last link to those two NCAA teams under Dan Hurley. You're looking at a great amount of uncertainty here unless you make a run. To an A10 championship in Brooklyn.
1: Well, you know, uncertainty or is it maybe reality? You know, I, I think the Rams, uh, heading to Dayton, you know, several weeks ago. Uh, you know, good luck against Dayton. You know, in those two games, the, the mistakes were uh, at Davidson, right? Really poor first half, dug themselves a hole, correct? Uh, and then St. Louis at home. I, I think if you give them those two games. They're still kind of where they need to be. One hundred percent. They would be in, uh, in, but you know, nervous, but where they need to be. So, uh, you know, people like, well, they don't have enough quality wins. It really isn't that. It's that they lost to a couple teams they needed to beat. Right. Um, That's right. And you know, so it's not that they got blown out by Dayton at home. It's it's those other ball games that that knocked them out a little bit. But uh, as far as the future of the program, you know, it, it's all about players. It's as simple as that. Right. Uh, Um, You know, Tyrese Martin is a great example. Tyrese Martin was nowhere in your national rankings and whatnot. He is a major league uh, building block. Uh, And next year, the the building blocks would be Tyrese and obviously Fats as one of the better players in your league. But they need help. Uh, I thought your uh, feature story on Jeff Doughton was excellent. Uh, I think anyone who's dealt with Jeff knows not only what an important player he was, but what, but what a leader and upstanding, you know, young man he is. You don't replace Jeff Doughton's right. You just don't. That's I, right. I mean, they can go get another point guard who's a good player, but Jeff Doughton uh, and obviously Cyril Langevin uh, at the, somewhat the same level. But I think Doughton has had more of an impact over the full four years because. Uh, you know, you know as well as anyone, Billy. You've been covering this team but as
0: a freshman. He was a vital part. Yeah, when Jarvis Garrett takes ill uh, and is battling all sort of colitis, and all of a sudden you're you're in the middle of what's supposed to be an NCAA season without a point guard, you have to turn to the freshman. What's going to happen? And he had great pieces around him, obviously, with with E. C. Matthews and Jared Terrell and Karan Iverson. But, but they gave him the keys. Gave him the keys and said, yeah. "Go." And you know, I remember vividly the the Davidson game that he referenced uh, in that piece. It was a 70-59 win on the road. Um, It was a game where he was matched up with Jack Gibbs, who was a great player uh, for the Wildcats. Uh, And you're wondering, okay, how's the kid going to handle it? And Rhodey's down by double digits in the second half. And all of a sudden, their defense just clicked to a different level. Doughton's making that set shot, open three. You know, He's playing with teammates who are skilled, and he's toward the bottom of the scouting report. At that point, no one's really worried about Jeff Doughton beating them. He has 19 points. Gibbs goes two for 13. Uh, and he just sort of locks into this great rhythm that carried into the NCAA tournament and the win against Creighton in Sacramento, a game where he had 23 points, missed one shot from the field, was 10 for 10 from the foul line. Um, so definitely those two guys, Doughton and Langevin, big losses. Uh, theoretically, your backcourt next year is Russell, uh, Jeremy Shepard, uh, they they expect to get him eligible next season two freshman guards coming in Elijah Wood and Ishmael Leggett i think the bigger hole is in the front court langvine sure. uh you know might not necessarily have meant as much to you or i over the course of his four years but in terms of big man recruits you don't have a front court player signed for next year it's Jermaine Harris DJ Johnson and a bunch of question marks from there at top, and Toppin, I, I think Toppin. Uh, I said the other day
1: when I saw the St. Louis game. I think every time I lay eyes on him, he grows taller. I mean, I think he's going to be a six nine, six ten player.
0: I'm thinking more but, but in terms certainly not of a in the paint.
1: No question. Yeah, yeah somebody who's a rebounder. It's a, and... it's a huge hole. There's no question. And you know, that's what again, that's what recruiting's all about. And they got to go out and find find some answers there but let's not talk about the future it's we can get into th- that th- th- there's, there's a month from now one game left in the regular season and we have championship week uh next week uh where you'll be headed down to brooklyn uh
0: wednesday or thursday i guess uh brody is going to play on friday they've clinched a double by uh thanks to some results elsewhere uh i know going back to the friars they're looking at four seed here kevin yeah uh, i was going to uh, transition that so the friars uh uh, will
1: play uh, they're not a lock for the four seed uh, yep. they could be a third and if a couple odd things take place but the most likely scenario was the, the four seed they would play thursday at 2 30 kevin uh, mack likes that one oh, for the deadline the right best time it's the uh, I, I can't uh can't be happier uh by any stretch uh, sleep
0: in a little the, have a chance to go out still the
1: alternative was 9 30 oh yeah it's no good can't have that. That's death warmed over. So Can't have that. Very happy about uh, 230. And uh, likely, again, likely scenarios, I think they're looking at Butler or Marquette. Okay. Which I think is positive. The team that also is in that mix is Xavier. I don't want to see them again. Well, uh, now Marquette they've handled... They swept. They swept in, in one in a very you know overtime game. So it's uh, they weren't easy, and then they blew them out here in Providence. You know, Butler's uh, but Marquette, had a little Marquette harder time. is really struggling. They are so. If you want a team to, to see right now in the middle of that Big East, Marquette would be the one. So yes. uh, if Marquette can uh, beat uh, Saint John's at the Garden on Saturday. I think they would move up to five and be the who Providence would likely play. So I think that's a likely scenario. Okay, Uh, obviously that would take, um, and that would be a Thursday afternoon. Um, Bill, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to podcast next week. We might do it remotely in New York. Who knows? It's going to be how about that? Be creative, you know. If there's a will, there's a way. But uh, I'm willing. We also may be able to do it maybe earlier in the week, before the uh, before the trains start heading south. But uh, for anyone going uh, to New York to see Providence or the Rams. well, maybe we'll give you some tips next week. How best to enjoy the conference tournaments. That's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, geez, that's a good reason to have Mr. Reynolds back next week. Oh, he, he knows New York. He's seen a few Big East tournaments over the years.
0: Really I don't think he's ever been to the Barclays Center. He's not a Brooklyn kind of guy. No, he's, he's more of a Manhattan He's, guy. he's a Manhattan guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Barclays, though, you've been. You know. Oh, it's, it's perfect. A great venue. Yeah. Uh, you know, very easy to get to. I'm actually staying in Manhattan, taking the subway, mm-hmm. uh, and it's about a 20 minute ride from near. Grand Central, uh, you're very convenient to get to. Subway stops right under the building. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, and uh,
1: if the Friars are fortunate enough to win Thursday afternoon, they would play in a semifinal on Friday night. And uh, hopefully, the Rams play in the daytime, you'd have a big-time doubleheader. We'll see but, uh, on that one. Too early to uh, crunch scenarios in the Atlantic 10. There's a lot going on. But uh, that's it. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, two more games. Um, two more teams. Uh, B- B- Bryant's season uh, ended uh, on Wednesday night uh, out at Loretto, Pennsylvania. Uh, the St. Francis Red Flash jumped out to a quick lead early and uh, kind of never let Bryant off the map. Uh, Matt on a way to an 87-61 uh, win. Uh, difficult, obviously. Tough way to go out. B- Bryant's had a good season. Uh the NEC coaches uh, recognized that. They gave um, the point guard, Mikey. Michael Green. Yeah, Michael Green, yeah. the uh, conference rookie of the year, uh, freshman of the year. Uh, certainly deserved um, really uh, important building block for the Bulldogs going forward. And uh, hats off to Adam Grant, uh, second team all NEC. He was a three-time all-league player. Uh, I think I saw that he's the second all-time leading scorer. Uh, in program history. Had a bunch, yeah, so I, I would believe it. Yeah, uh, just, just a really, really good career. Uh, the Franklin, Virginia native, um, really a great building block. Uh, for for Bryant, so hats off to them.
0: Yeah, you also want to mention Benson Lynn, who was an All Rookie Team selection mm-hmm. uh, in the NEC. Bryant won eight Rookie of the Week awards, uh, got up to fifteen wins this year. That's up from ten last season. Uh, you know, third time in four years they've been eliminated by St. Francis no. in the conference tournament. Stay, the away and stay away from them. You know, and I I think for folks who who watch maybe the bigger leagues like the A10 and the Big East that we cover around here, you don't realize the disadvantage of playing in the Northeast conference tournament is that you are playing a road game a true road game if you are a lower seed Uh, so brian has made three trips in the last four years to loretto Uh, difficult place to go you're playing one of the top teams in the league annually Uh, it makes it very difficult to break through but you know brian obviously shows uh you know some potential for the future you know maybe even next season um that they do have a chance to finish in the top half of that league could be picked to finish in the top half of that league and maybe get on the right side of this and start hosting some of these tournament games at some point. Yeah, Bryant's 15 wins rank
1: fourth in a single season since they went Division One, so certainly a strong season for the Bulldogs. Brown's season is hanging in the balance, hanging by a thread. This weekend, this is the scenario for the Bears to finish in the top four and make the Ivy. Uh, Ivy Madness next week in up in um, in Cambridge at Harvard. Uh, they play Harvard on Friday night, correct? On the road, need to win. And they get in the bus and they go up to the hinterlands up <laughs> at Dartmouth. Yeah, and they play the big green on Saturday. Well, what's more of the hinterlands, Dartmouth or Cornell? Cornell. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not, it has not to even be right. not even up for discussion.
0: Have you been to Ithaca? Oh, a ton. A beautiful place.
1: It's it's a very nice place. But it is a ride. So, you know, his Chevy stories. So I'm a oh. student at Syracuse. Oh, and, here we go. And I get okay. uh, back in the day when the Associated Press was, was booming, uh, they gave me, it was, I'm going to guess it was more than $25 and less than $100 to get in my little car and go down to Ithaca for Ivy League football. From the Cuse. Yes. Okay. About an hour ride through uh, Cortland and... Some great little towns. Yeah. Um,
0: And in the fall, it's going to be beautiful. It was very nice. It really was. Yeah.
1: You know, obviously it gets cold in November, but uh, September and uh, October, I enjoy that. I did that, uh, I'd say, just maybe for one year, so probably went down five times. Yeah. Uh, Very pretty place. And Ithaca College is is a really cool place, too, right there in Ithaca. But anyways. Yeah. um, More importantly, uh, so if Brown wins twice, that still doesn't lock lock it in for them. And that's a really tall order because Harvard doesn't lose at home very often. Um, Penn is hosting Columbia and Cornell. Cornell. They will be favored to win both games. Correct. If they win both games, they lock up the fourth spot and will join Princeton, Yale, and Harvard in yet another Ivy Madness. Um, you know, it all came down to last weekend. Brown lost uh, twice to uh, Princeton and Penn on their home court. They had, you know, they had it. I know you were there for the Penn game. And, uh, you know, you saw the post game. I listened to Mike Martin uh, with Scott Kordishi and Russ Tyler, and, uh, boy, I, there wasn't a more crestfallen coach in the country on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I, I think he knew that, you know, Brown let a significant opportunity slip through their fingers. They win those two games, and they're in the Ivy League tournament. It was that simple. You had both games at the pits. Uh, you know, you were 4-1 and one already in league play at the Pizzatola Center. Uh, you know, their home court, it, it treated you very well. Your only loss was to Yale, who's a really good team. Um, You know, Princeton came out and and just didn't really show in that game. You know, lost by 20 plus and and never really looked at the races. Against Penn, a much better effort. Uh, Got beat in the second half by a player who Mike Martin said is one of the best he's seen in the Ivy League in his tenure, and that's A.J. Broder. Mm. Uh, And Kevin, obviously, you cover the Friars. You saw what AJ Broder and Penn did to Providence very early this year. Uh, he, as Well,
1: he's he's a he's one of the better all around front court players in the country, regardless of league. He's he's a very good player, and but you know this is a team that Brown beat uh, Penn uh, at the Palestra, so right. you know it's not as if. They needed to win the
0: game. It's you, as simple as that. You got superhuman efforts at the Palestra from Brandon Anderson and, and Zach Hunsaker. Uh, those weren't replicated this time around. Anderson went three for 15. Penn did a really good job on him from the field. Uh, you know, Penn also had two freshmen step up big in this game Max Martz. Had 13 points, uh, you know, made all three of his three pointers, including one with about a minute left. That was an absolute dagger. Uh, and then Jordan Dingle came off the bench and had 17 points, his second good game against Brown this season. Um, you know, and I think that speaks to where the recruiting is at the top of the Ivy League. If you're Harvard, Yale, Penn, uh, Princeton, these teams who are in the top four year in and year out have these freshmen come in who are top 150ish top 200ish have offers from the Atlantic 10 the bottom of the Big East uh, you know some of those sort of I won't say second tier conferences I think that's slighting them but the conferences that are just below the power 5 in the Big East uh, and they can go to You know, Harvard goes to Georgia and California and can get players. And it uh, makes a huge difference when it comes Friday, Saturday nights. uh, And a huge difference when you come down here to the business end of the season. Yep, No question. So we'll see what happens with Brown uh, this weekend. And uh,
1: we'll be back with uh, our championship week, Pick and Pop, uh, sometime next week.